1: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkis, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, holidays are upon us. The Bears season is almost ending. How are you doing tonight?
0: I am fine. We get to talk about what's left. <laughs> there's there's a lot that's not here uh you know it's kind of like when you go shopping a little bit too late for the presents and you and you get to the store it's a little bit picked over that's that's sort of the bears roster right now the options are not great at certain positions the uh it's, it wouldn't wouldn't be your first choice for what you'd buy um but there's stuff and you got to make a decision because there there are gifts to be given so we'll we'll talk about the roster a little bit and uh while we're doing that, I will enjoy a holiday ale. My fine wife was lovely enough to get me uh, one of my holiday favorites, Deschutes Brewing, from right down in Oregon. Uh, ale, which is their holiday ale. 6-7 um, by volume. Uh, says, cozy up to the fireside with this festive winter ale full of spice notes, robust malt character, which is what I like about it. Toffee and dusted cocoa. An original since 1988, um, which takes me back a little bit because i think the first one i had was in probably 91 93 <laughs> maybe 93 probably uh, but that's what i've got what do you got how are you feeling uh, I'm feeling good. I've got this bottle that I've really
1: enjoyed, and I thought I better bring this on before I finish it. So, oh, yes. this is a 1792 oh, yeah. bottled in bond. It's very difficult to find the. You can get the 1792, the basic small batch, uh, pretty much anywhere, and it's a it's a very solid offering for for cheap. Um, so it's it's worth your time if that's if you haven't tried this this particular brand yet. I'd encourage you to mm-hmm. branch out. It's, that's a really good cork. Let me do it's that. a good. Let me cork. do that again for you. Yeah. So, yeah. um. Here's the thing: all of their variations are very difficult to find now. I believe actually, when we were out searching, mm-hmm. uh, this was one that we saw, which was a uh, we saw the foolproof, which I would be very interested in having, just not enough to ship it back to myself from from work uh, from Washington. But this was a, a find a couple of years ago um, at a raffle, and I kind of kept it unopened for a while, and I kept kind of thinking about it, thinking about it, and then I recently opened it, and it's an uh, incredibly nice pour it's it just you know for me it's a it's a drink straight don't need to do anything with it 100 proof bottle and bond for those of you that don't know basically it's always it's going to be 100 proof it's a, it's basically a government contract so 50 percent alcohol 100 proof um so to me that's not very proofy like that's not like oh that's going to be too hot uh and so you actually find a lot of nice drinkable bourbons for in the bottled and bond category and they're kind of fun so if you find them they're usually a pretty, pretty good deal. And uh, this particular, if you find it, you should buy it because it's (laughs) it's tough to find and um, it's it's pretty delicious. So uh, 1792.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, we did see three variations of it at the store. We stopped by in Tacoma, which I was by just last night. I didn't go by the store, but I was shopping for Christmas gifts just down the street. And Uh we were having uh Brett and I were having this conversation about proof, uh not necessarily bourbons, but just all alcohols, and how sometimes ninety tastes like 120, and Mm -hmm. sometimes 110 tastes like 85. Yep. Um, you know, you can get some really hot ones that aren't, you know, that hot alcohol-wise, and vice versa. You can get a 110 that goes down as a as a real easy sip and whiskey. Um, it's all about character and aging and and how it was created. And again, the, you know, the basic, the basic mash that gets put together to build that thing up. But uh you can't always trust those numbers. Sometimes you're like, Oh, it's 90. It's going to be, Oh, okay. It's really hot.
1: It is very true. Uh, although the more skilled distillers are going to do a better job of mellowing that out generally. Right. So generally, yes. particularly the ones that are a little more experienced. Uh, but yes, this is a good one. Um, So I will enjoy that while we talk about, the Chicago Bears team heading towards a high draft pick, at least the top four draft pick, given uh, what we're projecting and what we know, and potentially the top a top two draft pick, which would be pretty interesting. So one of the things that we're going to talk about today is Kyra Santos. So yes, uh, Sunday during the game, I tweeted out, I think Santos needs to rethink his uh, point after touchdown approach this offseason. season." You get to choose the spot. I think he's got an approach uh, that he thinks is consistent, uh, but with five missed PATs, that's pretty unreal. Um, so what I was saying there is that the kicker, the, the the kicking team, which is the kicker, gets to decide where the ball is placed. So you can place it in the middle. You can place it on the right hash, the left hash, you can place it wherever you want between the hash marks to, to set up the kick. And one of the things I noticed with Santos all year was that he had this right hash approach. And I I, I just find that to be a little odd because the the, the goal posts are the exact same width as the hash marks. So you're lining up right at the right upright when you have it on the, the right hash mark. And so you have to move the ball in some way. And so uh, I, I find that to be an interesting choice. <laughs> To, for when kickers do that, uh, and why wouldn't you just line up in the middle? Maybe at some point we'll try to uh, bring on an, a, a kicker that has you know a lot of experience, uh, in terms of making those decisions and what they're doing. But what I did, EJ, is that I went through and I watched all of Cairo Santos's pat attempts, not his field goal attempts, just the point after touchdowns, and then
0: I created a visual nice because that's what i do i you know let me be the first to say i'm pretty sure you're the only one you've got the lock on this market because somebody out there a few people might have gone through and looked at his field goal attempts because that's you know look that's a little sexier i don't believe anybody else has gone through maybe not even on the bears staff and looked at all of his PATs, maybe not even a special teams coach, um, who is Richard Hightower, by the way. But uh, I think I think you've cornered the market here.
1: <laughs> OK, so for those of you that are joining us on YouTube you can see the visual. I will tweet this out. It will be in the story uh, on Winnie City Gridiron. So, for those of you that are listening and would like to see the visual, please go to one of those places. Either find me on uh, find me on Twitter at Um so you'll find the visual there. Find it on the on the webpage Winnie City Gridiron, or uh, join us on YouTube Second City uh, Gridiron YouTube. Okay. So here's here's how we read this. So left to right, top to bottom, is the sequential order of the kicks throughout the year. Uh, I have got the opponent marked between the uprights so that you can tell which game it is that we're talking about here. Uh, I have which hash mark uh, based on where the the flight of the ball starts. So um, that's one thing I mapped. And then I, I tried to map the flight path. Now, this might not be perfect, but what I'm trying to represent here is that there were a few kicks where it was very obvious that what Cairo Santos was trying to do was what I would call a power fade which is where you are purposely leaning into uh, a hook, basically, right? So you are starting the ball left uh, from, from where it leaves your foot and it's going to straighten out. So ideally, it's, it kind of looks like this hook coming off the right hash. And then by the time it, it enters the, the upright, it's going dead center, right? And so I think that is what Cairo Santos's approach was, ideally, in his mind, was that he wanted to set it up on the right hash mark
0: and do a power fade. Does that track with you? You know, I think all kickers being, I, I spent a lot of time kicking balls when I was younger. I played soccer from the time I was in third grade until a little bit after high school. Um, so, and for the last three of three, three and a half of those years, I was a goalie. So you take a lot of free kicks, which... You know, basically, you're putting the ball on the ground, you're backing up, giving it a rip. And you do get used to okay, what's the ball do off my foot? What do I want to do with it? How am I going to start it? You know, is this going to be a low line drive? Is this going to be a higher kick? Do I need it? You know, all that stuff. And just like a golfer, many of us have played golf at some time or another. You get used to your swing. And it's the swing of your leg in this case, but it is, it's your swing and what the ball does when you swing. And then you adjust to that, right? So if he knows that when he really drives the ball, it tends to tail to the right, yeah, he's going to want to start it a little bit, let you know, a little bit inside the left, the left upright and let it tail into the middle. Um, If that's his approach, that's cool. But kicking is pretty dynamic, as you're going to tell us. Uh, There are a lot of factors to that in terms of wind and, you know, blocking and, you know, big guys getting their hands up and everything else. But I would say it sounds reasonable as an approach to say, Hey, in an ideal situation, all things being the same, I want to start over here on this hash. I want to aim for that opposite upright. And I want to let the ball fade back into the middle. Cause when I really, when I really rip one, that's where it goes.
1: Yeah. So when I, when I started looking at this, when I laid out the the information, and again, you might. You might go back and view these. I doubt anybody's going to do that. You might go back and view these and say, <laughs> I don't really agree with your flight path. That actually, you know, you have it drawn as a straight line. And I think he tried to do a power fade there or something like that. This is the best I can do with TV angle. And, you know, they, they generally don't want to show the extra point, particularly if it's made. Right. They're not really showing it. They just got it's quick. There was one where, I mean, I could barely see it because uh, they they cut it. They, they were doing a replay then they cut in and it's like, okay, right. So there, there's a point where it it looks like the power fade is gone and he's just kicking it. He's just angling it in. There's just more of an angle that that happens around the Texans game where you lose that power fade and and he can, he starts to just kind of angle it in. By the way, he missed two, two kicks in that first game uh, against, against San Francisco. The, and, and I think a lot of people said, well, it was just, crappy weather it is what it is and i just find it interesting that the first one he missed he just pushes right and then the second one he misses he pushes it way left right so it's there's almost like this like overcompensation because he missed the first one so he's in his head a little bit right anyway let's go back to the where it seems like he's more kicking straight on so he's on the he's, so maybe he's changed his approach once already he's on the right hash staying on the right hash but now he's just it's just an angle kick in And that works for him for most of the year. He doesn't miss another one until the Lions game. And it's the last kick in the Lions game. And I, somebody said, I think it was Taylor said, I think that one might've been tipped. And when I had watched, I didn't, I watched them all pretty quick. I was trying to map them all out. Um, I didn't see a tip. It was a pretty bad miss. So it could have been, but I didn't see anybody celebrating it as a tip which is usually a dead giveaway, right? The guy, I mean, yeah. if, as a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman trying to trying to block a kick, if I get a hand on it, everyone is going to know. <laughs> Absolutely, everybody is going to know that I was the guy that influenced that kick, right? And I didn't see that. Uh, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I just, I didn't see that, right? So that miss was weird. It was way off, looked like, a to me, it looked like a miss hit, but again, it could have been tipped or just it looked like a goofy ball. And then you go to the Packers game. Uh, uh, all the way to the Packers game for the next miss, the uh, the second touchdown. And he just, again, he does this where he pushes it to the right, like the first miss PAT of the year. And then similar to the follow-up, which was in the same game the first time it was now the first kick of the Eagles game was the follow-up to that last miss. He, he misses it to the other side. Uh, this one looked like a power fade that never faded, right? It just hooked. So those are the five misses. Um, and I, you know, two of them are to the right, three of them to the left, two of them. I kind of think, feel like power fades. that didn't fade. Um, one of them just straight, straight to the left. Maybe you have a different interpretation if you watch it. And that's when I tweeted out, like he needs to change his approach in the off season. Now, I don't think Cairo Santos follows me on Twitter. He might, right? He could have a burner. You never know.
0: He could have a burner.
1: Yeah. He may have looked at his Twitter account at halftime and said, you know what? Just right. I do need to think about changing my approach. So he goes out at halftime because kickers don't need to be in at halftime. They just, they really don't. Uh, Robbie Gold famously just like kind of stays out and does a little kicking routine during the halftime show. He just dances around people and and, and kicks, you know, just whatever. It it doesn't matter. So Santos goes out at halftime and he starts playing with where he's at on the hashes because he realizes like this, this is weird. Like what's happening? So somebody, um, let's try to give the guy credit here. Alex uh, Shapiro interviewed, and it, he, he was also on this. So Alex Shapiro is uh, with uh, Chicago NBC. Um, and so he uh, he interviewed uh, Santos, or he, he has a quote from Santos here, uh, who says, I feel like there's a glitch, a glitch with my visuals from the right hash for the extra point. To be honest, I'm not missing any kicks at practice. So technique-wise, I don't feel like it's that. So he comes out at halftime. He goes left hash, middle, right hash, and tries to kind of figure out what's going on. And ultimately, he decides to kick from the middle hash for the uh, the middle of the hashes. From there's no middle hash. Uh, the middle of the hashes for the rest of the game. The next two extra points go in. No 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 problem. First one's dead center. Second one kind of fades a little bit to the left, but pretty much uh, you know it was a very good extra point attempt. So I, some of the reasoning that he he talked about was you know his his field goals have been fine. Like he hasn't really had a problem kicking field goals, it's just been the PATs. So at some point, it's just this like it's this set position, it's the one thing. And I think he's just kind of in his own head. I think it's one of those things where you have something that you expect to happen, and I and I sort of see it as this power fade that hadn't that stopped happening for him. Hmm. And when the power fade went away, and then he was kind of changing himself and he was angling. And then he's kind of in his head, right? Because mm-hmm. if that power fade doesn't work uh, or, you know, if it comes back, then you're going to, you're actually going to hook it. Right. And so like, I think he's in his head a little bit. Whereas when you're just, Hey, the ball's placed here, it's a field goal. It's 40 yards. Okay. Like, boom. And he, he, he hits it and he's fine. He still nails. But when it's a PAT, it's like a free throw, right? You lose the the muscle memory of a free throw. Yeah. Like you're all these things because it's the, that's the stripe. That's the line. Right. And so I think he's in his head here. And I think that I was hoping that he would figure this out in the offseason. Turned out about 15 minutes later, he figured it out at halftime and he changed the place of where the PAT is going to be. And I think that it's probably solved. So I just I this is just game within a game. One guy battling himself. He's not like he doesn't have the talent. We clearly know that he has the talent. This is just a matter of you got to make an adjustment and you got to recognize it in yourself. I think he did and I think he's fine. I think this is going to be fixed.
0: I hope so because 5 missed PATs seems like a lot in a given season. A couple look it's going to happen. You can talk about conditions, you can talk about bad snaps, you can talk about, you know, somebody that's 6-7 and has 35-inch arms on the other side gets a paw on it like sometimes that just happens. Not all that often. But five in a season, especially without consistency, if you'd pushed them all or hooked them all, like yeah, okay, that's one thing. But we've got you know misses to the left, misses to the right, misses that were bending, misses that were straight. Um, and it's interesting that he took it upon himself to go, all right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an adjustment here because I I think when this happens in other sports, uh, primarily, uh, I love the free throw analogy. That's one I hadn't thought of, but it's absolutely applicable. The other ones I think of are baseball hitters. Who for a while are just striping it, right? They're just feeling it. And everybody kind of wants to leave them alone because they're hot and they're hitting everything and they're, you know, they're hitting all fields and they've got it. And then one day they don't. They come in and then somebody says, Oh, it's, you know, are, are we going from a hot streak to a cold streak? Or was it just the, the other pitcher going off? And then no, two, three days in a row, he, he gets, you know, one hit out of five or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay. And that's what hitters have to do, but they have hitting coaches that are, you know. That's their whole job is to come over and say, hey, you were pulling your hips through and now you're not like we need to make an adjustment and golfers same way golfers hitting it straight long and all of a sudden they start putting it in the rough. They start spraying it around. They start doing exactly what you're talking about of making the adjustment of, Hey, I was, I was pulling it and landing it in the middle of the fairway. And now I can't pull it anymore. It's just going dead straight. So now, now what do I do? Do I turn my feet? Do I, do I come through the ball a little hotter? Like whatever. And they have swing coaches that they go to the driving range and hit a couple of hundred balls and try and figure out, okay, what adjustment are we going to make kickers? I feel like a lot of people are just like, Hey, man, it's a kicker. Like he makes it or he doesn't. I know it's more, there's more involved in that, but it would be fascinating to me since we're going down this road to kind of do like, you know, we're just trying to get sensors in the balls so that we can understand what a first down really is or a touchdown really is. It'd be fascinating to have sensors in the ball sensors in the cleats and if you really want to go you know full bag on this like the whole motion capture thing and see like is his plant foot ahead of where it was the last three times does that cause him to push it right we don't we don't sort of get all that and i don't think we're going to go into like swing analysis of golfers with super slow-mo and and tight angles um but it is fascinating to see that he did change his approach because five feels like a lot And it does seem to have worked. And we've got a few games left to kind of play out the string here and see if it holds, see if he keeps kicking from the middle, see if they keep going through. Um, And then, yeah, I'm with you. I hope it's fixed because it should be free points. I realize they moved the PAT back a few years ago, and it's a harder kick than it used to be. But it's still pretty automatic when guys are, you know, two-thirds of their kicks are going in from 50 yards. Uh, PAT distance should should be an extra point like should just be a free extra point
1: yeah the only other thing i'll mention before we kind of kill this graphic and move on is you could just it's kind of interesting to see a couple times where there's multiple touchdowns in a game where um like say the lions game like his first kick he kind of sneaks it into the right upright right yep and and so the next kick there's a little bit of an overcompensation and he kind of sails it towards the left upright third kicks down the middle great Right. So you think like if, if that would have been it, then you wouldn't have known that the fourth kick he just missed. Now, again, that could have been, it could have been a tip. I didn't see it, but like it should sure. have been a tip or just a bad, you know, sometimes you just hit it fat, right? Like sometimes you just miss hit a ball. Um, something, you know, things like that happen, but there's a couple of, uh, of patterns in here where there's a little bit of like compensation from the last time. And I think that a lot of that's maybe unconscious or a lot of that's like, okay, like that wasn't quite right. I need to make sure I'm hitting this just little like a, you know, one percentage this way. And then, you know, sometimes that's an overcompensation. So, um, you know, someone like me who has never had a consistent golf swing, um, I like to me, it's like, yeah, like I did
0: something and it did something. I'm spraying that ball
1: everywhere. Right. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. Uh, but you know, I, I think that this makes, this makes a lot of sense to me that when you kind of stack it up this way and this guy's hitting, hundreds of kicks that you know in the season right practice before the game i mean he's he's swinging at, at the ball all the time we're only taking this very small percentage of his universe the ones that count um and, and trying to look at this but and if he's trying to collaborate all of the time mm-hmm. and of course like you said there's field conditions. There's, uh, there's wind factor. There's all these things that happen. You know, there's a guy Russian, right? Oh, hey, this guy's really good on this side. Maybe, maybe you do want to try the power fade here because you know, they put their rusher here who, who gets up pretty high. I don't know all those things. Right. I, I didn't, I didn't kick. Uh, you know, I played soccer, you know, and I, I could tell you about kicking the ball and everything, but like, I, I can't tell you about kicking PATs or, or extra points or, 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 field goals. I mean, um, because I never had to do that. Right. We we had, we had guys that did that. I had to block. Right. So, um, I don't know that for, for certain, but that's what I see. I, and I, and I respect the kickers. I respect the punters. Uh, it, it to me, it's interesting stuff. And, uh, we'll, we'll try to track down more of this stuff. Maybe if, if you guys are interested, um, at a later date, but let's, let's move on from kickers. Cause I know that we can't spend all day talking about kickers or everybody's going to tune out. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's take a quick break and then let's, uh, let's get into the rest of the season. All right, DJ, let's let's hear it. Let's talk about this Chicago Bears team and what
0: we can expect for the rest of the season. Yeah, and what's left, I think, is really the the question. And you know, there are a few games left. That's the the slate that they don't have any control over. They're gonna play the teams they're gonna play. They have, you know, this many games before the end of the season. Okay, cool. Uh, they don't really have control over all the people that are hurt. And that is a major factor at this point in the season for a lot of teams. Bears are not exempt. Uh, the offensive line has been kind of wrecked again. Tevin got downgraded today. He got carted off on Sunday. Nah, it doesn't look like he's probably going to play this week, but that's not for sure yet. We're recording this midweek. Um, you know, Cody Whitehair was listed on the injury report today. Uh, you know, he'll probably play, it sounds like. But, again, more tumult. We saw Mike Schofield out there. We saw like Alex Leatherwood out there. It's been been a rotating door. So starting with something that felt like it was kind of stabilizing a little bit with the offensive line play now seems kind of tossed back into disarray. And, and who knows what we're going to see for the rest of the season. That's one thing. Um, we know we're going to see Justin Fields, like Justin Fields is they're They're not going to pull him if they were going to pull him, they would have at this point. Like if, if they had seen all they needed to see and I don't know, they didn't want to sell any more tickets or they just wanted to protect him. He would be on the sidelines because he got up gimpy a couple of times on Sunday and that should make everybody quite frankly, at this point, league wide, because Justin is becoming a league factor. He is becoming a much must watch quarterback. He is must-see TV. You want to protect that guy at all costs. And these games are essentially meaningless. you got three wins so far this year. You might stack one more, maybe. maybe. Um, There's no reason to have him out there risking injury. And I don't think there's any uncertainty about the fact that he's the guy at this point. Like, he's the guy. That's it. That's over. Discussion proven. He's the guy. Right. But they're not going to sit him. Because why ever? They want him to get more reps. Uh, who knows? They have more theme. things. Yeah. I mean, he's it. He's, he's the why? offense yeah. right now. Yeah. Why sit him? Uh, just to protect him from injury. Because he's getting beat up out there. Yeah, but and people don't do that. Right? I, I understand that. They don't want to keep the mileage off him. And I get that. But they're not going to. If they were going to, they would have already... So we're going to see Justin on offense. We're going to see him continue to do the things he's done. It's not a fluke. He's done it week after week against the best defenses in the NFL. He's going to continue to do that. The offensive line, we're going to see guys that are healthy. They're going to get out there. We're going to see David Montgomery. He's been banging away out there. He's very effective. Khalil Herbert is coming back in the running back room. We'll see what he's got or gets in before the end of the year. They just activated him off IR. The wide receiver core. OK, if this is if this is our Festivus, this is the airing of the grievances. <laughs> and my my grievance for for Ryan Poles was in general going to be sloth. And sloth was we're just waiting for next year. We got one twenty five million dollars. We'll just just we'll get to next year and we'll be fine. And I'm like, no, use these games. And I've talked about that on this podcast as a lab. Right. Nobody's looking anymore. Nobody cares about the Bears and you've got live NFL football games, put guys out there, see how they respond, see if they might be a piece for next year, grab guys off practice squads, do whatever you can. And I was going to say generally sloth was going to be my grievance, but then just yesterday, uh, Ryan Poles signed two pass rushers. Um, and you know, guys that might. Work into the rotation next year, guys that might figure into what the Bears are going to do next year. Uh, and that's a good thing, he should be doing more of that, but he hasn't done any of that with the wide receiver room. And hey, look, Chase Claypool was questionable. Um, St. Brown is still in concussion protocol, that leaves Velas and you know the ghost of Byron Pringle, who did score a touchdown finally, which is awesome. Um, and Keelan, you know symbol Webster? Uh, no, okay, no, I'm not. Like this is a this is a. I don't room. think Simba
1: Webster knew that he was going to be getting targets. I, I don't. He got think up so. from that first catch and he was like, "What do I do? What do I do with my
0: hands?" Yeah, what do I? Do what do you do
1: with your hands after you get it? Like he's just like looking around, like, "Do I come off the field now?"
0: Yeah. Do Do, do you I want to me? The ball? And do I get to stay out, coach? Well, yeah. No. This is the. Now? This is exactly. I'm glad you brought it up because that's the exact flavor of this wide receiver room, which is a bunch of guys, you know, Dante Pettis has provided some nice moments. He's out there. He's healthy as sort of the third receiver. Um, but that's what he is. He's nice moments and kill Harry is an absolute zero. Um, uh, your co-host Ross Reed posted that they traded a seventh for him, and that feels like too much. Uh, I would agree. He's, he's been a complete zero. I hoped that he would be more. Nope. Not a thing. Um, so on offense, you know, we know, I think Cole Komet is also a little bit like Justin Fields, but not the same talent level. We know what he is. We know what he can do. He's done a bunch of that this year. There's, I don't know if there's a lot for him to prove or or grow into in these last three games. However, there are some other tight ends on the roster, especially on the practice squad, who are young guys, who are athletic, who also some other guys that are a little bit more like Cole Komet, that block a little bit better. I just want to see them. Like, I don't yeah. care if you sit Cole Komet. I just want to see what those guys can do in live action. Can they block? Can they move NFL offensive linemen? Can they beat NFL linebackers in pass patterns? And is that a useful thing going forward? Which one of them might be somebody you keep as the third or fourth tight end? Those are the kind of decisions we're talking about. These are not not the splashes. The splashes are going to happen in free agency, possibly trades. You're talking about guys in the bottom 10 of the 53 who are going to support on special teams, who can be uh, maybe a gadget player for a couple of packages of, hey, we've got this one where we really need the tight end to rip the seam. Cole Komet. Yeah, he's he's not going to burn a lot of people. So maybe we use this faster guy and there's a couple of faster guys on the practice squad. Let's see what they have. Are they fast enough to burn NFL linebackers? Even if it's late in the season, especially if it's late in the season, because not a lot of people are going to watch that film. You can kind of hide stuff and that's a real advantage for NFL teams, but we have to see, uh, you know, polls and Eberflus kind of commit to that approach of saying, okay, look, it's over. <laughs> like we're not going to win a lot more games. We're just going to put these guys out here across the board not just because of injury and see what they can do. And so if my, my grievance is sloth, it's about that. It's about, it's time, like get him in there, get them live downs. Um, we talked about the offense. What are your feelings about the offense? And then we'll flip to the defensive side of the ball.
1: Well, I think, uh, I think what's interesting is that Cole Herbert's coming back. Um, I, you know, you assume that he's going to, it's a file account. Sounds like he's, he's going to come back in and uh, reestablish his role as, the number 2 and and I'd like to see a more even split in terms of carries. I've talked about that a lot. Uh in terms of touches, it can still be David Montgomery. I still like him out of the backfield as a as a pass catcher more and I like him a lot actually. I think they should start using David Montgomery more in in the in the passing tree. So, but I want to see the carries be at least 50-50 split um, because Herbert is an explosive play waiting to happen. And that's the kind of thing that you want to feed volume to that kind of guy because you want those chunk yardage plays and I, I i really like him i think he's a really good running back um he has to probably do some other things to maybe get to the point where he's a complete back and i understand that and that's fine but as a pure runner of the football really love him so if you have justin fields dave montgomery and Khalil herbert healthy in this offensive line who doesn't really pass block particularly well um you know, uh, let's at least see some solid run game down the stretch here. It'd be interesting to see if Justin can get the record. He is only the third quarterback with a thousand yards rushing. He's got three games left. He's going to pass Lamar Jackson's number uh, three all-time season. It's like a thousand and five. So, you know, one more run. He'll, he'll, he'll get that. Michael Vick has a thousand yards. So, you know, one or two more runs for Justin Fields might might get that right. Um, you never know when he's going to hit that big chunk one, and then uh, twelve oh six I believe is the record for Lamar Jackson. So why not? Why not get Justin Fields in the record book? That's kind of my thinking. Why not? He's already and this is being set. People, Well, you know, well, first of all, he missed the start, so it, it will be we assume sixteen starts for for Justin this year, but this. Early on in the year, he wasn't really doing this. This isn't something that that they had designed. It took till the mini buy for them to unlock this feature of of Justin Fields. And so he's doing this in a condensed form as well. Whereas Lamar, they leaned in pretty quick when he he got those 12.06. Now, you hope that Justin Fields isn't forced to carry the ball this much ever again in his career. And that's fine. So here's his opportunity to have a record. Let's do it, right? Like, let's. he already has the most... Uh, rushing yards for a quarterback in a regular season game. Why not in a single season? Let's do it. Let's, let's lock him in the record books. That's really more than anything, what I'm interested in in offense. And if Chase Claypool comes back, I'd like to see that, see if that develops a little bit more because he is part of this future plan. Anybody else that Justin's throwing to, I have zero confidence that they're coming back next year. And I'm talking about wide receivers. Yeah.
0: And rightfully so. Uh, I think a lot of Chicago fans are right there with you and hoping that's the case that they don't have to see the majority of these guys again. um, You know, there are some exceptions there. We can talk about those, but let's flip over to the defense. Defensive line is a huge need for this team. Uh, They've got some good young guys, but they have, you know, uh, absent some other talent to hold the load or carry the load of the defensive pass rush. They've not been able to do that. Dominique Robinson, Travis Gibson, uh, al khadim Muhammad came over from Indianapolis. None of those guys are lighting it up by themselves. They are complementary rushers right now at this point of their career. doesn't mean they won't ascend to a different platform, but they have not showed that burst on their own of, I can carry the load, like build around me. Nope, You need to you need to put a guy ahead of me that has that kind of talent where the offense has to pay attention to him in the way that we had previously with Khalil Mack or even Robert Quinn last year. Don't have that right now. And these guys have not ascended, not saying it's their fault. I'm saying that's where they're at. So don't be surprised when the bears get defensive line help, whether it's through free agency or the draft high in the draft, they're going to do it. They need help at DT as well. This is not just the edges. So, uh, you know, Justin Jones has had his moments. Armand Watts has had some nice moments coming over Had a little bit of trouble. He's new addition to the injury report, I think today, but it sounds like he'll play, but none of these guys are like, wow, that that's a foundational piece. You're going to put him there and put three pieces around him and it's going to be amazing. They're all rotational pieces. So they need a bunch on the defensive line linebacker. Obviously on Smith moving on was the big news. Jack Sanborn's ascendance. Uh, Now he's out. He's on IR. So, you know, we're looking at Nicholas Morrow. Joe Thomas played really well against the Eagles. And I think Joe Thomas and Matt Adams have two of the plainest names ever. Joe (laughs) Thomas and Matt Adams. It's very easy to sort of interchange them or imagine their former presidents or whatever. But they're both good football players. But um, I really want to see Sterling Rutherford on the field. And I don't really care if he busts a bunch of assignments. I want to see, you know, Kenny blitz, can he cover, like, what can he do? Is he going to be here? Is he a special teams demon only got the opportunity now? It's not like we're taking reps away from a developing player and Jack Sanborn um, kind of know what the other guys are and they're fighting for the their NFL lives. I'm not saying, you know, take food off their plate. I'm saying at this point, see what you got in a very physically talented guy in Sterling Weatherford, who's a rookie. And then the secondary is, who. Uh, throw a stick and somebody's going to be hurt. So Eddie's out for the year. Jalen Johnson's been very solid, been playing very well at a high level. Um, DeAndre Houston Carson's out there. Is he going to be, do you want him being a starting safety on your team? No. Is he a great guy that is a leader and a, you know, a special teams ace um, really took over the the mantle from Sheriff McManus when Sheriff McManus moved on of that sort of alternate safety. I can play if you need me. I can lead on special teams. That's his role. He's out there starting. Got an interception. Great guy. Is he a starting caliber safety in the NFL? Hope, hopefully not. Hopefully you've got somebody with a little bit more talent uh, back there and a little bit more playmaking ability. But there are some young guys, AJ Thomas, and and I go to the depth chart at least once a week now with all the injuries and say, What number is that? What name is that? You know, Josh, who's Blackwell? Josh, oh, Josh Blackwell. Okay, yeah. All right. Um, Elijah Hicks is in there, AJ Thomas, Jaquan Briskers had a very fine rookie season. He is, he has showed that he will be a fixture. I think Kyler Gordon in the same way, once they decide where he's gonna be, has shown enough talent to be out there in the starting five. Um, you know, what they do with Eddie when he comes back from injury contracts is probably back. Okay, Jalen Johnson, cool. So maybe one more piece in a healthy secondary looks pretty good. But linebacking needs help. We need reps. Obviously, Sanborn will be out there in some capacity next year, and that's, that's a good thing. That's a fine thing. And with more help in front of him on the defensive line, that's cool. So the guys I referenced earlier, Terrell Lewis, who's a guy we saw at the 2020 Senior Bowl, guy from Alabama, spent some time with the Rams. Uh, has some trouble with injury at Alabama and again with the Rams, but has shown talent, has shown ability. And again, as a rotational rusher, he's not that preeminent alpha piece. He's not likely going to come in and be that attention getter on the defensive line, but he could be in rotation and a very talented one at that with guys like Travis Gibson and Dominic Robinson. And the other one is just a pure flyer. And I love this. This is a dart shot. This is a guy I saw at Cal the year before he came out. His name's Kony Dang. And he is uh, very much um, in the mold of the larger, longer, rangier linebackers that the Bears seem to have taken a shine to. He's got extremely long arms. He's really tall. He had a very good second to last season at Cal. And then his final season at Cal, he got hurt very early on, did nothing and went into the draft with absolutely no fanfare, went undrafted um and just kind of got forgotten and it happens it's a it's a happenstance of timing of injury of anything else and he's kicked around he's been picked up by several practice squads but i this is a pure like hey yeah throw a chip in there see what you get like maybe he's healthy now maybe we can use that i think it's like 35 and a half inch wingspan he's like six six like 240 uh, maybe we can get creative with a wild card like that off the edge maybe he can bring us something and it's these are low risk moves that you need to take a ton of because people are like well what if he doesn't work out well he's probably not gonna work out that's what the stats say but if you do six of these moves and you get one guy that's a contributor as the fifth guy in the rotation that makes the 53 whether it's a fifth wide receiver that turns into a punt returner or a fifth defensive end that can come in and give you you know two or three sacks a year as a rotational guy and bring some fire and brimstone add some add some pressure like that's a victory because you got them for nothing you're just trolling through what other people haven't been able to make work and ryan poles and his staff should be doing that every day because this roster is not good enough to stand pat on so that's that's my hope um Watching the defense for the rest of this year, if we're talking about the actuality of the product on the field, good luck. They've, they've done really well for what they've had. Um, It is, it's a huge credit to the coaching staff. Alan Williams has, has patched together. They've been really solid. Like the defense has kept them in quite a few games. Like, Chicago's been close. I was on a Bills podcast this week previewing the, the next opponent for them, which is the Bears, and they said the Bears kind of make it tough on everybody. They just they just go up and beat people in the face, and then they don't quite put it together at the end. And I said, yeah, let's see CMO. But the fact that they are in those games and that they do challenge some of the best teams in the NFL is is pretty amazing, and Allen Williams deserves a lot of credit because when you look through what's left on this defensive roster, that's not awe-inspiring. Uh, no, and they have three really good offenses they're going to face to close out
1: the year. Assuming the Vikings are playing for something, I think they will be, right? So you have three offenses that are playing quite well that this Bears defense is going to have to try to slow down. I don't know that they can do that, but I didn't think they were going to be able to slow down the Eagles, and they sure did, right? They, they made them uncomfortable. Um, they put them into situations where it looked like they were looking for the chunk plays all the time, and, and they were able to kind of hold off on those for a while. Uh, I thought Jalen played... Jalen Johnson, um, Jalen Jones played fine too, but Jalen yes. Johnson played pretty well, uh, against one of the best receivers in the league. And he's going to continue to be asked to do that, right? Like he's going to be asked to play against Justin Jefferson in week 18. He's going to be asked to play against Stefan Diggs this week, right? Um, that's basically what they're going to be asking him to do is, is take on the, the number one. And I really liked the back and forth um between Jalen and, and uh AJ Brown and then afterwards on Twitter kind of gave it, hey man great battle I love that like you know and and people are like there was a ton of people that were like this is really cool I love seeing this good for you for for you know being like collegial with each other we'll about it yeah and and then you know some people were like uh what are you talking about you, you know you got you got burnt and it's like dude he played against AJ Brown and it yeah. was like five catches out of 11 targets or something like that when, when he was in coverage, one of them was for a big gainer and that that's it. Like I mean, a lot of the, the five, the four out of 10 and it was like only two first downs on, on those, on those other four catches. Like he really had a really nice game. Don't let one long pass a uh, perfect pass by the way. Right. I mean, these, these are, this is elite stuff. Like this is, this is why, this is why I love professional football. Like, I don't watch college. I think it's garbage. Like, watching college, for the most part, just irritates me because it's so sloppy. And you have – you watch even an SEC game, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, there are nine NFL players on the field of the 22 positions. Like, but you watch an NFL game, even as a bad NFL – everybody's a professional. Everybody's really good. And this is the best team in the league right now. This is the number one offense. Like, they are so balanced. And Jalen Hurts puts a perfect ball on A.J. Brown down the field. It is what it is, man.
0: It is what it is that he did the best that he could. I thought he played an incredible game. Incredible game. He he played amazing. And uh, this is going to sound really weird. But do you know what it reminded me of? Let me hear it. Walter Payton. Okay, explain. Yeah, you're like, that does sound weird. So Walter Payton, like most people that are familiar with Walter Payton are familiar with end of career Walter Payton. Right. And the highlights come from throughout his entire career, but he he got recognition and team success at the very end of his career. The majority of his career after he was drafted was banging his head against a wall on teams that weren't great and being the best player on the field but just slamming it into line three yards in a cloud of dust was the whole idea. It didn't have all the support that again came 83, 84, and then the 85 Super Bowl carried him into that. Before that, it was just Walter, 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 kind of like we're seeing Justin. So you might see, oh, Justin's the thing that you would say is like Walter, but Jalen's the same way on defense. He is the best player on defense, and I don't think it's close. And he is not getting a lot of uh heraldry he's not getting a lot of people talking about him but he is going out there every week and playing really hard just like Walter did and doing really well against some of the top player and and those players are in turn you know game recognizes game turning around and saying man that was you really gave it to me I've been I've been roasting guys for three weeks and I came out you made it rough I got four or five catches and you know four that didn't really matter and one that was good but it was yeah let's talk about it it was a perfectly placed basketball by you know Jalen Hurts over the shoulder and again just blunting the Eagles offense right now is a huge huge success and Jalen was a massive part of that on AJ Brown because AJ Brown is a freaking force like he is an absolute alpha he's a big tall vertical wide receiver that will punish you physically can run by you and Jalen went toe-to-toe for the whole day gave up very little and it's, again, that sort of Herculean effort on a, on a losing team that, you know, you're just not going to get a lot of attention for. And I feel like that's sort of the way Jalen's playing right now is, hey, I'll do my job as the best guy out here on the best guy out here. All of you just try and step it up. And I feel like there was probably a lot of that sentiment with Walter in the first six, seven, eight years of his career where he was like, come on, guys, I'm doing everything I can. I obviously, pick it up. Let's go. And. Jalen just keeps delivering really soft performances against very talented opposing offensive players doesn't get a, like nobody lists him in the top even five or ten cornerbacks in the nfl and he plays like it
1: yeah and then in terms of the rest of the stuff you talked about you know again people banged up and all that kind of stuff this this is Ryan Pulse is going to absolutely spend like crazy, either free agent dollars and and draft capital to try to rebuild the trenches, both sides, right? I think that's very clear. He's, he's got to make another acquisition wide receiver. We'll see what that is, but he absolutely has to build through the trenches here. We talked about it a few weeks ago on Baron Balance with Lester, and what I said was Justin Jones, nice player. And if he's your fourth best defensive lineman, you feel pretty good about that. If he's your third best defensive lineman, uh, okay. If he's your second, you're in trouble. He is the Bears' best defensive lineman, and it's not close. Yes. And and it's like that's not good. Nope. Who leads this team in sacks? Do you know?
0: Um,
1: I know. I
0: would say with what's left that it's Jones. Jaquan Brisker. Really? Look at, at that. Stands- oh, three. Well, okay. He's Jamal Adams light. That's not good. You don't want no. your rookie
1: safety no. leading your team no. in sacks. And so it, I've, it's not good. We it, There's a lot of rebuilding that needs to be done on this defensive line.
0: Yeah. And it's a very similar argument to what we talk about all the time with the wide receiver. room, Right? Like Darnell Mooney. Everybody's like, is he a one? You're only asking that question because you don't have one. If you had a one, if you had an A.J. Brown, you wouldn't be asking if Darnell Mooney was a one. You'd be saying, man, he's a really good two yep, or three, depending on how that works. Right. Right. So when you go and get the one, it makes the players behind him or also in the lineup with him, if you want to put it that way, better. Because now Darnell Mooney plays in position or in role. Right. Right. You have your one. And Mooney becomes a very solid number two or three, depending on where you want to play him. And Chase Claypool becomes the big slot where he's had success. And it just makes every makes all the dominoes fall into place. And the defensive line argument you made with Justin Jones is the same. Exactly. You go out and get your penetrating three-tech. And Justin Jones is the rotational guy that keeps him fresh. He's a really good rotational guy. He is going to bring you some pressure on those quote-unquote backup downs, and that's exactly what you want. So it puts him into the proper role. Where did you say, hey, you're the star of the show, man. Go carry the load. He tries. Like, he tries really hard, and I don't want to say he's a try-hard guy. He's a talented player in the NFL. You just talked about it being the best league on the planet. It is. He's a very talented guy. Is he an alpha on the defensive line that's going to, you know, command double teams and attention? The answer is no. So is he better off as a two or even as a three? 100%. So you talked about poll spending money. I, I think a lot of fans don't realize that, oh, there's all this cash. They do get that idea. They don't understand that there is a minimum, there is a floor that the Bears have to spend to. They can't just not invest that money by the CBA. There's a minimum amount of that money that they have to spend. And it is a lot, right? So there are going to be some fat fat contracts handed out. And there's not that many guys to extend. All the guys you might have extended are gone, right? You're going to be looking at a few, two to three players that you might extend. And all the rest of that is new money in new contracts for guys that you trade for and bring in in the off season, or guys that you sign in free agency. And they have to spend that to get to the floor, So there will be a lot of new names. There'll be a lot of money thrown around by the Bears in the offseason because there has to be. And ideally, yes, the defensive line will be almost completely rebuilt. That's two to three hierarchical players that will fit within the top, say, four of the overall that the Bears have now. And that's a lot of movement. And you could see similar movement on the offensive line you could see three new high-priced offensive linemen whether it's highly picked in the draft or whether it's one highly picked in the draft and and two free agent additions um it just sort of depends on how the market falls but everybody knows a couple of things the bears have a shitload of money that they have to spend all the agents know it all the players know it and they have a quarterback Mm -hmm. and those are two things that people consider when they're looking at destinations is do they have the guy that can you know do they have the most important position on the field taken care of and can they pay me and the answer is yes and yes so there's not going to be a lot of people that are like meh like anybody that wants to sort of exert their influence over what chicago could be or the success it will achieve is is going to give chicago a serious look because before it was sort of unserious football. I was like, yeah, you might offer me the richest contract, but am I going to win anything if I come to Chicago? And the answer was eh, probably not. And the answer now is eh, maybe. Right. And if I think I, I have that builder's mentality, you got enough cash. I think Justin is the guy. All right, let's do it. I'll help. That's that Jacksonville
1: tax, right? where Jags had to overpay guys to come down there. And let's not even forget like the Florida tax implication stuff. Mm -hmm. That was a bonus for them, right? They had to way overpay. So they would just wreck markets. Like they, they would wreck, they wrecked the wide receiver market by giving Christian Kirk all that money. People oh, actually it's pretty good. No, 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 that was a, ridiculous contract, right? Wreck the market and everybody behind Christian Kirk had to wait a little bit more. Cause they're like, Hey, I'm worth this. Now it team's like, no, 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 no. You, you, that just is what it is. It's the Jags. We can't count that. Right. That's because they have to overpay to try to get guys to come down there because they didn't, they weren't proving anything that they were ready to compete. Like you're saying people know once you have a proven quarterback, you go there. Yeah. You're going to get paid. That's important. But also you're going you're going to be in a big market. Gonna go play a lot of primetime games, you're gonna win a lot of football games because you got that guy now, right? Those guys want to win, but they want to win because that leads to more bigger contracts, you know, more recognition. You know, if if there was real fairness of like we can really tell you who the best players are, and those are the guys that are gonna get the all pros and the pro bowls, and that's how we're gonna do it. But we are gonna have like serious evaluation, we're gonna have a hundred talent evaluators go through every single player and we're going to give them real like, you know, uh, fair grades and we're going to determine and that's how we're going to determine all pros and pro bowls. And and that's not how it works, dude. Like nope. it's not how it even close to how it works. It's nope. narrative driven. It's yeah, you know, this. You know, you know how many Eagles are going to make pro bowl this year? A ton. Now, a lot. <laughs> good players, really good players, deservedly so. But are some of those players better than some of the players that are on these really, like, like you said, Jalen Johnson, perfect, perfect uh, uh, example. Jalen Johnson is going to make the Pro Bowl. Nope. He probably should. He'll should at least be talked about in that way. He should right? be an alternate for sure. Right. Like, and so, but you just don't see that because that's not how these things work. These guys know that. Their agents know that. And the agents know that when you get those things on your resume, you get more money right so that that's how these things
0: flow number one piece of all of that get the quarterback yeah and chicago has it i think that's very clear to anybody with eyes that justin is a guy you can win with now you might have to do it in a slightly different way but now that they've adapted to that way they're going oh look he can do it like uh, the nfl at the end of the day is a meritocracy There guys will get second chances because of draft status. Draft status is the one thing where guys who maybe aren't the greatest players get recycled because, hey, he's a high pick. We can reclaim. But other than that, if you do it on the field, you get to keep doing it. If you don't, you'll be off the field because too many livelihoods depend on you doing the thing. Justin Fields at this point, even of this lost season, can clearly do the thing like he could do the thing. Now, the thing has to be packaged in a certain way, but that's true of all quarterbacks. All quarterbacks are system quarterbacks. Once Luke re rejiggered the system to play to Justin's strengths, boom, we see the Bears offense able to score on anybody. Yes, it's via quarterback runs. Doesn't matter. Points are the same. He can still throw a crazy deep ball. Some of his stats about offensive efficiency and accuracy on balls past 15 yards are ridiculous. Yeah, intermediate and like, deep throws. Yeah, really because right now. people are like, oh, I can't throw. I'm like, he's not great at throwing short which a lot doesn't have a quick game down okay a lot of the league (laughs) prioritizes this so when you see justin kind of just step out and sidearm it to a back and it dumps out they go oh he can't throw the answer is no you give that guy a little bit of protection and a five-step drop and ask him to make one of those jalen hurts type throws to aj brown he's actually among the league leaders he's in the top 10 For those throws, he doesn't get to do it very often behind this offensive line. But again, you build the offense and the Bears have done that. It's very clear at this point. Justin can do the thing and players are going to know that players know who can play. And they also know it's no surprise. And so do their agents. Chicago's got bag and they have to spend it. So if I believe I can be part of starting something here, I'm going to give that offer fair credence. I'm going to be like, yep. Uh, it's they're one of the top two because they're gonna pay the most and I'm gonna start for sure because the roster's not that good there's not a lot of competition and man have you seen Justin like Justin's the dude I would like to play with him or for him get the ball back for him whatever it is so those are all things working towards next year and the other thing is the thing that the Rock pile report guys brought up of man. Like who would you credit with the fact that the bears are punching people in the mouth, even though they only have three wins, they're not likely to win any game, but they come out every game and make it tough for people. I said, really, I think that starts at the top. That's Eberflues and that's culture, right? That's, I, you know, yeah, we're probably not going to win. Doesn't mean we're going to roll over. And if we do all these things, we might. So let's go try. If you have those three things, like you're set up pretty well for the next year. Now. They have to do it all right. They have to make good picks with the draft picks they have. They have to make smart free agent contracts and walk away from ones that aren't smart. They have to do all that stuff. If they do, they've got the guy. They've got the culture. You add some weapons on both sides of the ball. Let's go. Excellent place to end it.
1: Here, here. Let's talk about the drinks. Mm. 1792 bottle and bond. If you find it, get it. (laughs) 17.92 17.92 foolproof. If you see it, pick it up, right? 17.92, anything. I, I think the small batch is fine, but anything beyond that is really tough to find. So if you see it on the shelf and you like bourbon, grab it. How was your Jubilee?
0: Uh, Jubilee Ale, great stuff. Um, every year, uh, it is one of the more drinkable Christmas beers. A lot of times Christmas beers come out and they're seven and a half, eight, one. They're like super heavy, double stout, right? And you can have like, well, I don't know about you, but I can have like one of those. And then I'm like, oh, something a little lighter would be better, like five, six percent, a little, a little clearer, maybe a red ale, something like that. No, uh, for a very dark, toasty, chocolatey sort of wonderful winter ale. I don't get the spices so much, which I actually like, because when things say with spices, especially on beer, I'm like, hmm, not that is so much. the scouting report on you. Yeah. You are don't don't, don't like the spice. So they say spices on the label, but you don't taste very many of them. Only 6 7. Uh I realize that maybe, you know, double your favorite beer if you live in Colorado, but um drinkable holiday beer, it's nice. Uh it is one I'll pick up. I really appreciate the shoots. Uh really good brewery. They make, you know, Mirror Pond and Obsidian, all kinds of great other beers, but Jubilee, you you always know it's Christmas, right? You always know it's the holiday season when you Go to Costco or wherever, and and oh, Jubilees out, or you know, you see Slayer from Nicasi right after Thanksgiving, and you're like, yeah, all right, it's Christmas. So, a couple of my favorites, Jubilee and Slayer, but good, good, good stuff. That's my first Jubilee of the year, and I'm happy to have shared it with you.
1: Well, good stuff. Well, enjoy the holidays, EJ. Enjoy the holidays, all of you listening. Really appreciate you. Sticking with us for this season, we know that this has not been the easiest season, but I think it's kind of fun. I know I keep saying that kind of stuff, but uh, it's kind of fun to watch this team grow and build around Justin Fields and see that maturation. That's been a lot of fun this year. And then seeing little pieces that we're going to see into the future and and what that looks like. So hopefully you've enjoyed that. And um, thanks for sticking with me through the Kicker Talk, too, because... No, well, that's not for everybody. But I find this stuff kind of fascinating. I I, I like all aspects of football, kicking and punting included, um, and so so that stuff's kind of cool as well. Uh, I am looking to just try to finish out the year before we start our off season projects. I don't have anything crazy going on. Um, anything going on at Bootleg?
0: Yeah, it's winding up right now. I wish it was winding down. It just feels like in terms of the calendar and everything else going on in life, it would be really nice if this was a lull. Instead, it's this weird title period where we're pushing really hard to get through the end of the season. We're keeping up with our uh, weekly podcast. The new one just dropped today, Wednesday uh, for the week 15 recap. We'll, of course, be doing a live stream for Thursday night games as long as they continue. So we'll be on tomorrow night with the Jags and the Jets. Um but we're already leaning into, hey, we got to get to the Shrine Bowl. We got to make some reservations for Vegas. We got to talk about when we're going to start doing our draft podcasts and, and all that stuff. So it's sort of double duty right now when you wish it was uh, maybe half duty. Uh, a lot of people are like, hey, I've got the week off between Christmas and New Year's. What are you doing? And you're like, uh, like 16 things. Coffee, maybe. <laughs> um so it's uh you know I'm not gonna complain. It's the life I've chosen, and it I I do love it, and it's a lot of fun. But it, it's really busy right now. Until the season slacks off a little bit, um, we will be intermingling the All Star games, and then probably going right to the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know that I'll be home in between those because it's like a it's like a 14 day stretch or a 12 13 day stretch or something like that. So I'm um, trying to get that all set up, and then it really becomes just hey. The regular season is over. The Super Bowl's over. It's back in the cave, grinding away, getting ready for the draft. Uh, we'll probably still have weekly podcasts during that point. Uh, but really setting up, we will be in Kansas City for the draft, so that's kind of on the horizon lurking. Nice. Um, but for right now, it's just really, hey, how do we get this thing kicked off? Uh, and how do we close the other thing out at the same time and and do justice to both?
1: Well, I will try to come down and see you in Kansas City since that is That'd be awesome. three hours away from me. So I'll come down there. We'll do some barbecue. Um, oh, yes. We'll, uh, we will figure that out. I know it's going to be insane and all that kind of stuff. But It'll be fun.
0: I got a guy. I, I got a guy. I got a guy. He knows So the things. two guys, that uh, the two offensive linemen that I texted you about on Sunday that I ended up watching the game beside in Buffalo Wild Wings uh, were both from Kansas, by the way. So one of them was Butler Community College and the other one is a former offensive lineman at Hutchison Community College, commonly known as Hutch, which is where Alvin Kamara went and JPP and a bunch of guys. So Kansas Juco, rich and fertile ground. <laughs> All right. This a
1: cow joke in there, but like we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, OK, so thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back next week. Uh, we'll, we'll find another angle and we'll, uh, we'll stick with you to close out the year and, uh, appreciate you joining us until next time. Bear it out. Take care.